Hi everyone, and welcome to episode 138 of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host, Daryl, and I'm here with Lauren! Yay! <laughs> that took way yeah. longer than it should have done! That was like our fourth version of the entry, <laughs> because we just got so excited <laughs> and yeah. couldn't do it. And I'm sick! Let's do this! I seem to always be freaking sick You sound for like these you're drugged things. up. Oh my god, yeah, I probably am. She's um, not actually drugged up. She's just had no. a glass of water. I did, and some salad, so that's obviously just thrown me off. You yeah, know? Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah, ha- New Year. Happy New Year. It's I know. Bit, oh, and then my voice is also going a bit crazy, too. We're basically both sick, <laughs> yeah. and it's a great time. Oh, it's the most wonderful time. Of the year. Great blah, blah, start blah, blah. of 2016. Um, 2016? <laughs> <yeah>. 2017. <laughs> as you can tell, things is going to be crazy this episode. Oh, um, it's going to yeah, be a hot mess. As mentioned last year... This episode is going to be about all to do with Final Fantasy 15. Woo! But it's going to be spoiler free. We're just going to be talking. Um, well, as spoiler free as we can. It's going yeah. to be spoiler free. <laughs> and we're going to be talking about a lot well, of different topics. We're going to spoil something. What? Well, to some people in the interwebs land, they think oh, that the... like saying something like Arden is an antagonist is a spoiler. Well, okay. Well, it's going to be. Spoiler free. Ish. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, I, I, it depends on their definition. It's gonna of be a spoiler free as all our previous podcast episodes where we're spoiler free. I mean, to some people, Noctis saying that Noctis is a prince could be a spoiler. Well, uh, look, the game's been out almost two months now, so <laughs> I love how you're getting so serious about. This. I am getting very serious because it was something that was controversial on my it was review very on controversial. YouTube. I some mean, people honestly, were saying it was it spoiler on free. I know they weren't, and it was spoiler free as far I as I was concerned. You know I didn't what? reveal any plot points. I didn't reveal anything. Nope, nope. You were a good little fruitcake. Anyway, before we get on to all of that wonderful stuff, I've just got to remind everyone, of course, that Final Fantasy Union is part of a podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union, and it's presented by the Gaming Union Network. We have a new show every Tuesday working rotation with Kingdom Hearts Union, and we come on the iTunes store as well as FinalFantasyUnion.com, and we're thinking about bringing it back to YouTube again if we can make it make sense yeah um i mean if we do it will probably be a case of like just an image thing because i don't know if i could realistically edit an hour podcast again not with babies unfortunately no it's quite difficult but um we've obviously also built up a slightly different audience on youtube now so the last time we posted up the podcast people were somewhat confused (laughs) what are this yeah that was pretty much the reaction we got so (laughs) Um, if we do post it up again, it's going to be slightly different and we'll see how it goes. Yes. Anyway, Patreon time. Thank you all, as always, for everyone who supports us on Patreon. Yes, thank you. you guys are the best. We love you guys. We're now going to do shout outs for everyone who's posted $2.50 or more per episode, of which we are eternally grateful. Yes. Starting with Lauren. Barry Norton at Nortron Zero. Christian Burge. Christian Thompson at Orbits Z Gaming. Lewis James. Satria Jaya Sodharma at Satria625 Ruben. Skylar Loveless. Tiger Crane at Palpu Milkshake. Tyson Wildman at Ty Wildman1. William Trengove at Varnas the Azure. Chris Morales. Digileo at Chubb Arcanine. Eric Decker at Chaco Taco. Harley Crawley at DarkZT Okami. Jonathan Gonzalez at Oh, It's Just Johnny. <laughs> Josh McNabb at J2K9. Michael Graham. Thorin Bullen at Massacre23. Zach Duranto at ZDuranto58. Alex Troutman at Akira Namejin. Billy Jackson at underscore Billy Jackson. Darren Matthews at Doomster73. Jason Rivera at Neo Archaic. Joseph Robertson at Pokemon Trader J. Julio Carrillo at Dead Demon225. 
Keith Feel at The Mighty Keith. Mario Herker. Mike Shirley Donnelly at Curious Coil. Mohammed Kayim. Nico Gonzalez at Nick underscore Knack 95. Rachel Casterton at Urbion Ray. Tony Stemmen at Tony Stemmen. Vitanitas at V underscore Tron 5000. Zelda Clone at Apes Type Novels. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Yay, now we get on to the main event. Ooh. We do get on to the main event, Final Fantasy 15. Yes, and no, we have not waited a decade for this. We have waited four years for Final Fantasy 15. Well, so many times I've seen people being like, "Oh, we've waited a decade for this." It's not the same. Some game. people have waited a decade for it. Feel as though they had. Yes, there are some parts of the original game that obviously are there. Noctis, yes. for Noctis. one. Yes. That's a pretty yes. big component. Yes, <laughs> Ignis. Ignis. He hasn't been in there since the beginning. But he was in the car, okay? No, he wasn't. He was in a car. <laughs> what? There was that original picture with all of with all of them walking towards the Yeah, car, that was like there? a year or two later. Was that? Yeah. When after after Fall Fantasy fifteen was announced. No. Yeah, I'm talking about but like I'm way saying back then. He hasn't been around for ten years. No, he hasn't been around for ten years. Okay. Mr. Smarty Pants. Yeah. Alright, so um, as a brief history lesson for you guys, as Lauren's already jumped the gun here and started talking about <laughs> the 10 years. As I do. Final Fantasy XV was, of course, announced in E3 2006 alongside Final Fantasy XV and Final Fantasy Agado as Final Fantasy Versus Thirteen. Yay! And it was supposed to be part of a wider mythology dubbed Fabian of Christos. And to be honest, based on stuff that Tabard has been saying recently, it could very much well still be. They just oh. took stuff out and got rid of stuff because Etro's obviously still there. Yeah. But... The Lassie stuff just kind of drifted faded, away. Faded drifted into the away. The one thing, though, that I'm I'm most curious about, why, and I guess we'll never find out, is why was it called Versus 13? Because it was the antithesis of Final Fantasy 13. Because that's what the whole thing was. The promotional post is lightning and Final Fantasy 13 is always in white, whereas yeah. Noctis and Final Fantasy Versus 13 was always black. It was like so supposed was, to be the opposite. But it's just weird, like, Versus. It's Versus 13. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> I just wondered. I just wondered if there was anything like really sort of deep. I seem about to remember it, or... looking into it. Probably not anything. Some Latin. Well, probably. I have a feeling it's there is some Latin stuff in in somewhere. Yeah, that or Star Wars. But um, obviously, yeah, these three games have actually been through like mass craziness since they were announced. I mean, yeah. Final Fantasy Thirteen, of course, ended up spawning two sequels, which I very much doubt they planned when they announced it. Yeah. Agato 13, well, I mean... Turned like, into a different game. Platform changes, different games, ended up getting re-released with the original story as Final Fantasy Agato. Like, weird things happened with that one. <laughs> we ended up with Type Zero. And it always seemed to be Tabata. Yep. <laughs> Poor Tabata. And then, obviously, Versus 13 became Final Fantasy 15, and even had its director changed. It's like every single game, like, late, well, lately, probably not Crisis Core, but like... Um, Agito 13 and then Final Fantasy 15, Tabata's been involved with drama that was probably beyond his control. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah. He just couldn't catch a break. But uh, but it is yeah. weird that Tabata ended up directing two of the three. I know. I know. I, di- I didn't really put that two and two together just yet, but no, he did two of the three. But yeah, no, it's been quite a different, it's been quite an interesting journey. But yeah, obviously, as I said there, um, Tabata took over the directorial role from Nomura which um, was a bit strange, yeah. to be honest, because Nomura kind of came out and said it was not his decision to be taken off it. And yeah, then, that kind of created some tension. Yeah, and as I'm a result, guessing. there was story changes. I was Stella it was a sore spot for many people. Yeah. And uh, now that the game's come out, like we've learned other things that have happened and stuff. And 
it's it's been an interesting game. I do love that though. It's a bit like uh, throwing toys out of the pram. Oh, they changed me as director. It wasn't my decision. It's just like, well, you you did kind of release the game on time, dude. <laughs> you kind of took 10 years to get that started. Good job. Well, he hadn't taken 10 years at that point. Like, stop no. talking about 10 years. I know. I'm sorry. I'm still stuck on it. Um, but no, he, t- he took he took a while. And it seems like from like current announcements that he's going to take a while on Kingdom Hearts 3 and Final Fantasy yeah, 7 remake as well. It, it's... If you discount the re-releases of the Kingdom Hearts games, there is the whole thing going around where he still hasn't actually released a game in high definition. Nope, he has not. He's The last game that he's released on a home console pretty much is Kingdom Hearts 2. Kingdom Hearts 2. And even Chain of Memories, I mean, that probably wasn't completely done by him, re-Chain of Memories. And that was on PlayStation 2 as well. Yep. And it was just a, a revamped version for ps3 but yeah no <laughs> anyway right so final fantasy 15 story um i so said we're going to talk about this loosely what do you think about the characters in general like did you think that noctis worked as a good protagonist and i thought he was okay um it's weird though like i guess i didn't expect him to be that the way that he was because of how he's dressed and i know that that's a pretty silly way of looking at it and a pretty simplistic way of looking at it but like the way that he's dressed would insinuate to me that he would be like the stubborn, grumpy kid, essentially. Sulky. Sulky. Take that with what you will, whether or not I'm just stereotyping emos or that type of thing. But that's just what I felt. Like, especially when we first saw him, I just thought like, you know, he was going to be this grouchy character, this sort of um, aloof it's person. It's how he was kind of like to be. Squall. It's how they kind of position. Like it's yeah. nothing to do with stereotyping. That's how they typecast him. Yeah, like they, exactly. they said he was going to be. Exactly. So when and- his true sort of personality came out in the game, I was a bit surprised. Happily surprised because I mean, you know, I I don't know how well I would deal with another sulky character. Even though Squall is my favorite, but but yeah, no, it was just it was just a bit like, oh, okay, this is what he's like. He's a lot different to what I imagined. I still think he's going to be one of the most memorable protagonists. Yeah. But I don't think it's because he particularly did anything. No. I think it's just that his abilities are cool. He looks quite cool. And I think that's just going to be a standout thing. But like, if you compare everything that he went through in the story to everything that kind of Cloud went through, like they're not really... I mean, like Noctis has stuff he has to deal with. Mm. I'm, not, I'm not trying to say he doesn't. No. But it's... I don't know. It's. I feel like he he was a bit flat, like in that way. Yeah. But I, say, I, I still feel he's going to be remembered as a as a really good protagonist. And like, there is stuff. There's a lot of stuff to like about him. There is. Um. But no, it's interesting that you say that because, like, and I, I I'll try to do this without spoiling too much. But you try know, you think hard. about you think about a lot of the other characters within the series, like Squall. He really had to grow up in the last bit of the game because he was forced into a role that he didn't ask for and he was essentially the only one left and he knew that he had to take it on which is being the head of Bellum Garden and being pretty much like the head of yeah of of this crazy you are the sorcerer slayer exactly um and then cloud i mean he led he had a load of mental issues he had a load but he overcame them whereas with noctis like he had he like you said, he had a few things happen, but I don't feel like there was really that moment where he really, like, well, like, there there what? is one moment where he where he changes, but it's not it's not 
like how Squall and Cloud Yeah, had. like what I felt was that when these things happen, Noctis before and Noctis after is pretty much the same. Mm. And I don't know if that's because the game's open world. And yeah. like you have obviously these story things that take place and then you can go back to doing side quests and they'll walk around and they'll have yeah, their banter. And nothing affects and, them. Yeah, and nothing's different ever. Yeah. Based on like and it's is it, I guess that's one of the, the disadvantages of the, the way they did things because part of the way that you, these characters build up and their relationships progress is the fact that they're with each other all the time. Mm-hmm. And then when you're running around the open world doing quests, they'll say things to each other, they'll be back and forth. They'll, you'll have Gladiola saying, that's not normal, 20 billion times <laughs> when know. you're progressing through the story at that point. And like when when things are, like they'll have some things like that that are contextual. Like he's clearly saying that because Noctis is having headaches for whatever reason, and that's to do with the story. Yeah. But they're, it never really, like Noctis, is, they, their behaviors don't change. They mm. just say things that are related to what's happening, but their yeah. behaviors don't change. Yeah. No matter what happens, really. I guess, like, by the time you get to the end of the game, their conversations, I guess, are slightly different. But it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to have to deal with this in a certain way. You get yeah. it through the, the cutscenes. Yeah. When you but you don't really get story. it as you play through. No. Yeah, and that's... I mean, there is there is one character who who gr- greatly changes in the throughout the game in the last bit. Uh, but... Other than that, there isn't really that much. And that's more of a physical change than an emotional, really. Well, a little bit of both. But yeah, no, Noctis, I just don't feel like he really had that moment. And maybe, as you said, like, that was that was one of the issues with that I had with the game overall anyway. Because, like, once the Imperial Army comes into play and they start chasing you, a lot of the outskirts of the town don't really change. Like, nobody's really reacting to the fact that the ship is just landing following Noctis and like trying to kill Noctis like nobody's just like oh there's a bunch of imperial soldiers like looking for you or yeah like, everyone just why... kind of goes on with their day-to-day they yeah. don't really seem to like it's, it's the oh, weird thing oh, as well there's a big imperial ship oh oh where why is it landing next to them all the time because like obviously you know there are the, the different properties that they produce you have Brotherhood you have Kingsglaive and you have Final Fantasy 15 and the stories are somewhat coherent but in Kingsglaive they're all talking about the fact that you know uh, everyone outside the war is in poverty and it's horrible and all this stuff. And when, you know, Regis makes certain decisions, the members of the Kingslave are unhappy about it because yeah. their families are out there and, and they don't know if they're going to be able to survive. And then you go to Final Fantasy fifteen, and everyone outside of Insomnia in the Dusko region, they look pretty happy. Yeah, yeah. they're like unaffected yeah. completely. It's like, oh yeah, it was really hard coming out of... Um, it, it was really hard coming out of Insomnia. Like it was, it was really, really difficult. Like so many people died and stuff. But uh, we're chill now. We're cool. Yeah. Anyway, right. Um, yeah. So, in terms of the development of characters, so obviously, um, you know, you've got people like Arden and Ravus mm-hmm. and Luna, Noctis, and all those people. Like, did you feel that the development of these characters worked quite well, or they're a bit funny, really? I mean, some of them were quite superficial. I mean, we have a whole video on it on YouTube, but um, I think the one character that really grew over time was Ravus, and that's the one that I kind of wish that there was more of, like. That's the only character that I felt like had significant growth. Arden kind of plays the same tune throughout. I'm gonna say because Ravis, when you look at him as you play through, there's probably people listening going like, Ravis didn't have any growth. What the hell are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, he did. If you look, if you if you dive into it, there is. If you if you put all the pieces together, it's very mismatched. It's not presented well in the game at all. But if you look, dive closer into it, 
he does he's the one that has a lot of growth but like with Arden he's kind of a one-trick pony throughout it like say sassy comment I'm going to either help you or I'm going to hurt you bye like it's kind of the same but he's he's again he's good though he's great oh I love him but there's no it's just a single tone throughout like it's just single until like maybe the last hour like there's just it's just the same note throughout whereas you think of characters like Kuja or sorry Kuja what am I saying um Kuja was good Kuja was oh I guess so yeah Kuja or even characters like Seymour like Seymour you still kind of have uh, different levels and it's a gradual growth like you know that he's a bad guy you know he's a bad guy but starting out you don't starting out he's very good like he's it's questionable you're on the fence and then like he gradually does the things where like he um he kills uh Kenok yeah and you're like oh and you start finding you start unraveling little and then he kills Alonzo and you're like oh but with Arden (laughs) with Arden it's just kind of like okay he's doing nothing okay he's doing nothing okay he's doing nothing okay well uh, okay is he though that's the thing you don't really you don't really know it's one of those things where you kind of go through and but it's a different type of story, isn't it? I like, guess so, it's... yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not fair to compare to compare it. But, I mean, I'm just saying in the sense that, like, in terms of growth of the other characters, he was pretty much a one-trick pony. Luna was pretty much a one-trick pony. Like, I mean, that's the thing that kind of annoys me about these games a bit, is that, like, some characters that they could have utilized and given um, more dimensions to, they don't. Because, like, Luna is just all good. Like, there's, like, not a bad bone in her body. Well, and also the fact that, you know, they made the mistake of doing such a big promotional campaign for Final Fantasy XV mm-hmm. that certain characters that you believe will have big roles beforehand, because of how big they've been pushed, yeah, don't end up having those big roles in the game. No. And you're kind of like, oh, well, okay. Even Iris. Like, Iris, you know, she has this love for Noctis, but they never... As they disclosed in Brotherhood, kind of. Yeah. They, well, kind of. Yeah. They never they never explore that. They never there's have some, a moment where he's just like... No- stuff. She's just like, Noctis, I freaking love you. Could you stop being an idiot? Like, there's not that sequence in there. There's, like, almost no conflict. Um, aside from within the four, the four leads, there's, like, zero conflict with any of the other sort of characters, like coming into it what i would say though is that and i feel we are kind of delving a bit into spoilerish stuff there Lawrence. sorry gonna have to give you a slap on the wrist mm, i can't um, help it but i felt that um you know with certain characters in the way they interacted final fantasy 15 made me feel different emotions than normal games would feel mm-hmm. so i mean with final fantasy we're typically used to like the love story the I want to kill the bad guy because he's evil. Mm. Um, those those kind of things like they're quite superficial. Like they're the ones that you would expect in a in a traditional story. Yeah. Like you know Final Fantasy, you typically cry because there's a love scene or like there's a sacrifice made or something like that. Yeah. Whereas Final Fantasy 15, it evoked different kinds of emotions. Like there's moments where people say stuff and you're just like you're being a really big d-bag right now well you could say that with final fantasy 9 that you were not there was yeah i mean like that's one of the that's that's why everyone loves that scene and then i mean in final fantasy 10 there's waka i didn't really get too bothered about that i did i thought he was in butthole um (laughs) but yeah no i mean there are some scenes like i'm like i'm saying but can you think of many scenes that 
involved characters outside of the main four where you legitimately felt angry or like any kind of other deeper emotion with not really but i mean there weren't really that many characters outside of the main four no and i mean maybe that's the way that they wanted it but like i just felt that there's so much that they could have explored that would have made it a bit more entertaining outside of it just being the main four all right i think we should stop it there (laughs) so that we don't end up doing too much damage (sighs) yeah all right so gameplay there's no way you can spoil this hopefully not i don't think um (laughs) What did you think about Active Cross Battle? I thought it was fun. I mean, it's quite fast-paced. It's it took me a little bit to be honest to un, to um accept the fact that I just had to hold down a button. Like I still felt myself wanting to just keep pressing Oh yeah, I was still doing that all the way through. Buttons. Um cuz I just want to feel like I'm doing something cuz I just like holding down a button to let it work for you i just felt like that was so easy i mean it's no different from turn-based where you just you're hitting you're hitting x preemptively I, know, until... I just need to do it like i just i need to do something so i just felt like in that sense i was kind of like oh okay and then when the quick time stuff did come up i was just kind of like, oh 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 crap i have to actually press the thing oh, oh okay i'll just press oh all right that's fine um but yeah i mean i liked it and i didn't like it at the same time i thought in many cases it worked but in other cases it was a bit too easy for my tastes like, I mean, some of the bosses were a bit of a nuisance, but like, I don't know. I just, I just felt like it was, it wasn't complicated enough for me. I didn't really ever feel like stressed about it. Yeah, I guess I, I, I guess I'd agree. Um, like you think about Zelda and Final Fantasy X, where you're just like, oh god, I have to do zombie. Oh god, oh god, what's going on? I can't. I'm dead. And the funny thing about that is that it was, it was turn based. Yeah. Yeah, like you're freaking out. You're you panicking because you know that something bad's going to happen. You got to try and deal with it. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, I mean, I guess I, I never ended up using weight mode, and I, yeah, from what no, I understand, uh, you know, if you use weight mode, it's it's a slightly different experience, and you have the time to think. Whereas you know, this was more like Final Fantasy Thirteen stress, where you've got to deal with something then. Yeah, you've got to deal with something now. Like something's going to happen. But then, even with Final Fantasy Thirteen, because you were so focused on a single enemy or a group of enemies. You could see something happening. You could see the pattern that was going to take place. Yeah. Whereas this, like, you, you're going everywhere. You're crying. You're flying yeah. around. You're warping. There's multiple enemies. You don't really have time to focus on who's actually doing what. Yeah. You just have on-screen cues like, oh, I should hold down. Yeah. The parry <laughs> button now because I've got an attack impending, and then I need to attack after that so that I get a counter in. Yeah. You just really have to just not really pay any attention to anything else that's no. going on. You could easily just go through the fights with just warping. <laughs> That's pretty much what I ended up doing. Like, just hold down warp. All right, my MP's up. All well, right, I just, let's warp. I just found that like it was a a group battle system, but mm. the other guys, I never really felt like they did anything. Yeah. So it's like, well, I, I'll just let them do their own thing, and I'll do my own thing. Yeah. Because they don't actually contribute unless you like. You can obviously do the link attacks. You've got the um the other ones like side side attacks and stuff, or you've got the ones where you can use AP. Mm. Or, um, sorry, no, the um the bar to to get them to do special moves but other than that nothing they do relates to anything you do Mm-mm. like you can't tell them to target certain enemies you can't tell them not to target certain enemies you can't tell them to cure you you can't tell them to do anything no. they will just do whatever the hell they want whenever the hell they want yeah like at least in final fantasy 12 you had con- complete control over everything in final fantasy 13 you didn't control their moves that they did, but you controlled their classes. So you could still kind of say, well, Snow, you're going to defend right now yeah. because I need you to. Yeah. We're in this. It was just everyone's going to hell for lower. So you'd end up with like Prompto 
And until I started just giving him t- tons of health items, he just died because he didn't. Have, he doesn't have any health, and like, yeah. they don't have any real notion of self-preservation. No, they do to a degree, but if you fight something hard, they will die. Yeah, that was kind of the sad thing about it, wasn't it? The fact that there wasn't. I mean, there was kind of a class system, but it was all pretty much offensive class. Yeah, like it was. There wasn't really. A I mean, Ignis has got like a, the healing stuff. Yeah, but ultimately, he still he still just attacked yeah there wasn't anything like oh well i'm i'm i want you to stay over there so that you can just heal us and just run away from things like it would have been interesting if they if they could have utilized like you know have gladiolus as the tank he goes in he does stuff and you know you either heal you either stand back as healer and they do stuff or somebody else is the healer I think that would have yeah, been Yeah, the, the tactics were limited. Like, the moves you could get them to do will do certain things, like weaknesses and stuff, But and you can give them certain magic to use. But again, you can't control when they use it. No, no. You just, okay, have three spells, use yeah. them at your discretion. Um, oh, great, you just used it on a bunch of You just, just used really it on me. Crap. <laughs> you, you could use it on, you could use it on <laughs> you. Really crap you enemies. Like, it's, yeah. I, I mean, I, I said, I liked it. yeah. But from a personal perspective, I liked the, how you could control Noctis. And I will say as well, I think it was pretty piss poor that Deadeye was, like, nerfed so much. Like, just that whole battle was just so easy compared to Episode Duskai. Yeah. I was ready for, like, such a cool, you know, intense well, battle. Well, in the demo, it's like, oh, you've got to lure him around here, yeah, and you've got to do you this, do and you've this, got to do that. that. But this, I, I beat him in four, four hits, and he was gone. And it's just like, really? Okay. So yeah, it's like stuff like that. Like I just felt like they made the game too easy. In yeah, some I mean, cases. Like, I think I had a game over once because I died on purpose. Yeah, like it's so hard to actually die. Like it's so hard to get a game over. Generally, you will get a game over because it's something you wanted to do. Yeah, not because it's forced on you. And I understand like they want to make it. They wanted to make well, that's it accessible. on normal mode. Yeah, well, they still they wanted to make There's it easy accessible. mode too. <laughs> Oh, I dread to think what it's like on easy mode. It's probably just the blitz. My main gripe with the game was the the, the ma- how they implemented the max HP system. Mm. So, like, obviously, once you get you have a health bar, and then once that depletes, you go into a down state, and then over time, or if you get hit when that state, then your health will deplete. And then even if that gets to zero, you still aren't dead. <laughs> so yeah. you basically have like three chances to save yourself every single time. But like, my issue with it was is that sometimes you could get hit. And you get a big hit, so you get thrown on the floor. It starts going down instantly, so you have to wait till he gets up, and then you can cast an item on yourself. But if you don't want to cast an item, so you have to wait till one of your allies comes and gets you up. You might be surrounded by enemies, or you can't—they're yeah. ne- they're nowhere near you. So. I always love it when you're like in the middle of enemies, and then you're trying to hobble to a stone, but then they yeah. just keep and knocking there's you no, down. Like, I mean, in other games, there's a, you could press square in that situation, like "Come and get me up, please." Yeah, and they would just help me, please. Yeah. Whereas this, you've got to kind of wait for them to finish what they're doing, and then they got to change their mind about what they were doing. Think, oh, Noctis is down. Okay, I've got to go and get him up. Like, why? Why is it like that? Why? <laughs> and then. Obviously, when you get revived, your health is that's your new maximum health. Mm. So, if they t- if you took them, if you didn't want to use an item to revive you straight away and you just weren't for them and it took them until you were down to a third of your health, that's your health mm. from now on. So, if you're in a slightly difficult place, you basically take a hit and you're down again mm-hmm. and then you gotta wait. My biggest gripe was actually um, just the magic system, not because it was bad, but it just was just non existent. I, I just didn't need it, like, it was just. It was useless to me, except for the Deadeye. 
like the dead eye um fight i was just like all right i'll use the bombs it was useful magic is very useful like yeah. this you can do loads of stuff you can buff all the different magic to put in different spells you can even like do exp boosts on the yeah. magic it's just that it's super i just always forgot about it you just yeah like the fact that you have to go and craft it and then you've got to equip it and then yeah. you've got to actually use it it's just like it, I mean, this is I loved, too many barriers. I liked the system in Final Fantasy VIII, which a lot of people compare it to. But I liked the one in Final Fantasy VIII because it actually did something for you. If you wanted like mass strength, you could junction the spell in order for to give you the more strength yeah. that you needed. Like honestly, like, it I actually didn't, was useful in that regard. I, I didn't ever really use magic in Final Fantasy VIII because mm. it was uh, for junctioning, and yeah. like if you desperately needed something, you could do it. But yeah. generally. The GS would learn he's like so instead of using cure you just recover instead exactly. of using uh, life you'd use revive. I thought that's like it made magic it made magic useful in the sense that you needed it in order to equip. But with this, it was just like okay, well it's it's actually just easier for me to just warp to people and then I don't actually have to you know um, get myself in a situation where I'm getting burnt because I've just warped into my own fire spell um so yeah i think that's the thing as well like you said about the game being too easy like i, I as i said i love active cross battle in terms of like i felt the combat system worked really well i like mm. the warping systems i liked the different like i thought um, it was fun mechanics they have with where you could team up with the other people yeah but it was too easy yeah and it was one of those things where like the game i mean someone's already completed the game without leveling up and using no items the only time that it would make it hard is if you went out at night and that's only because everything is so jacked up but then even still, like, it's not... It's not impossible. No. It just would take a long time. Yeah. And that's... that. I guess that's the issue. Like, it's just... It's not difficult. No. You you, you sometimes feel it in a bit, a bit of a pinch if you go into, a, like, a hard enemy. Like, But I never struggled. No. I didn't level up massively. I didn't grind. I didn't do anything. And I had so I think many I finished moments. the game after, like, like 30 hours. Like, it I wasn't... Think, yeah. I had, like, a couple moments where I was just like, oh, crap, it's nighttime, crap, I have, like, nothing, I need to go back to camp, but then I just warped back, like, I just warped back to my car, and I was instantly back, and they were just like, oh, you yeah. want to just and drive like, your car. You know, if you're in a difficult fight, the, the only reason I ever found fights slightly difficult is because I didn't want to use any items. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, if you if you just buy a ton of potions beforehand, you're fine, like, yeah. as soon as you go down to use a potion, you're good. Yeah. Or, you know, you can use elixirs, high elixirs, it's... Like, there's tons of different stuff you could use, but it's just, I don't, I have a thing about using items, basically. Yeah, yeah, you're special. I am, I am Whereas I like to use them. But, yeah, ultimately, I think, yeah, that's the case in point. It's just that it was a bit too easy, just for... I know what I was going to say now. It's the fact that they tried to add loads of depth to it, Mm. but because it's so, like, the, the depth never really played out, like... I know they mentioned in the beginning we've got different weapon types and different weapon types work diff- better against different enemies. Yeah. I never cared. No. I just used whatever hell weapon I wanted and it made no difference whatsoever. <laughs> I did use, I did switch between the weapons because sometimes I just found like the the heavy sword was a bit too clunky. Like I just was Yeah, but that's like, more of a personal too... preference. Yeah, it's not exactly. because oh it's weak against this enemy. Yeah. It, it's like I knew it was like really strong against certain enemies, especially like the MTs, but I just was like mm, I just I wanna, I wanna I fly using, around. I think I, I pretty much used the engine blade throughout the entire game, and mm. it didn't hurt me whatsoever. I didn't find the game any more challenging. Yeah, like it just because the warp strikes didn't get penalized by that. It's just no. like well, I'll no, just... that's the thing that's weird as well. Is that yeah, he can still like warp with this massive sword. <laughs> He's strong like bull. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I thought I thought the gameplay was I thought the gameplay was good, mm-hmm. but there was a lot of stuff they put in there that could have been a lot better. Because it just didn't really do anything. Yeah. 
Yeah. It had loads of depth that wasn't necessary. No. But either way. All right. So, um... Presentation. Well, you don't talk about something that I kind of wanted to talk about, and I forget what it was now. Well, you kind of wanted to talk about it that much. I know. Um... Oh, quests and stuff you don't talk about. Oh. Yeah. So... We can talk about quests. Um... Well, there is a question about quests later on. Oh. Okay. We can talk about it then. Oh, well, yeah. But, I mean, just in the sense that, like how i felt about the side quests in general like how they felt within um, the game uh, about the fact that they aren't good yeah I, I mean like they are so boring they are they are monotonous like you will do the same it's like oh i've got a quest i need to go to a location once i'm at that location i might have to kill some enemies i might not have to i literally just have to go and pick up something and then i've got to go back the worst and was... you get no story yeah. nothing no the worst was when you went to go find something and then you had to actually look. In an area, yeah. In like... an area and try to find this little itty bitty thing. There's no marker or anything. I mean, granted, like, you know, I'm I'm, I'm not somebody who needs to be handheld, but like, one... it's just the fact that it was so small. There's one where you have to do, it's a quest from La Stalem where you've got to go down to the southern region and you have to get rid of traps that are on the floor. Yeah. And I... They're so hard to fight. Like, you can literally... One of them's hidden under a bush. Like, how... You, it's, you'd have to get really lucky to find it. It was horrendous. It's so boring. I know. I, had to I was look just up, like, I don't want to do this. Like, you look up... There's videos on YouTube that people had to put up to, to, to like for the locations. And, and, like, everyone is just saying, how would you find these? Yeah. How? I know. Why, why, are they, why is that so difficult? They're so irritating. But, yeah, no, I mean... There could have been so much more, and I know that I am—I sound like a broken record with this, but like I felt like there was so much about there was so much about Final Fantasy XV that was trying to be like near almost, but it just wasn't because like you and think, The Witcher but... and The Witcher. So with near, if you haven't played it, uh, you should. Um, but uh, essentially, like the side quests, although they were some of them were very monotonous, quite like this game, like you know, go out, kill a bunch of things, come do back, do some fishing, do some fishing, whatever. There was story attached to it, and this these smaller characters had stories and things that they overcame. And with Final Fantasy fifteen, they just didn't have that whatsoever. And it goes back to the story, the problems that I had with the story was that it was so focused on the main four that they completely ignored the outside world. Like, why didn't Cindy have more character development? Yeah. Why didn't Taka have more character development? Like, maybe Taka was like a dad who was struggling to... Well, I mean, for... they do they do have little bits. Generally, when you first speak to them, they'll tell you little bits. Like, yeah. with Taka, you learn about the, the why he doesn't go out and hunt and stuff. Yeah. But it's so limited in scope. It is. They could have added so I, much I depth. mean, like, with Dave in the dog tags, and this is one... And this is... It's kind of an ode to Type Zero with the uh, sea crystals. Yeah. But even that, in the Type Zero, when you picked up a sea crystal and you took it to the guy, I think his name was Atra or something, mm -hmm. you would learn about the person yeah, yeah. you learn about what they did and stuff with this I, th I think actually there may be something if you look in the menu and look at the dog tag mm. but like it's like the whole point is that you find these dog tags so they don't get forgotten and then it's literally just oh here's a dog tag also i just felt like it was pointless like i just i can understand what they were kind of trying to do but if it was like what they had with type zero it makes more sense because the whole thing with type zero is the fact that if you died in type zero you were forgotten so these these things that they were collecting um, were a way of remembering them when the rest of society completely doesn't. With the dog tags in this, it doesn't really make that much sense because people still remember people when they die. Like, it's not the same, it's not the same thing. So I felt like 
I couldn't get the same sentiment as I got with like type zero with that kind of stuff because I actually felt sad for some of them because you just think like they were just forgotten like completely. So there was that. Um, they they could have done more with that. They could have done more with Cindy. They could have done more with Dino. Like, Sid. They they just could have done so much more with these side characters. Basically, what we're West saying Cam, is they could have just done more. They could have done more. They shouldn't have focused just on the four, main four characters. Because the thing is, is that for me, Final Fantasy and like these kind of open world games in general is not necessarily always about the main characters. It's about the world. It's about yeah, it's about the people, like, the life of with, the universe. Um, with any game, you can instantly pull up all these different things. Like you've got Shira and Sid. You've got Dine and Barrett. You've got uh, the Black Mages in Final Fantasy Nine. Mm-hmm. You've got um, like stay away from the even summoner. something like when you in Final Fantasy Seven when you go back to um, Calm and then you see uh, Zach's parents. Like that's so sad. Like you just feel like so sad that they're still waiting for him to come home. And you know, there's just so much of these different. The dolphin, the freaking dolphin, Mister Dolphin, Mister Dolphin, um, and what's her name? Is it Penelope? Priscilla. Priscilla. That's it. So it's just like those small things. That was what sort of also helped me with Final Fantasy. Each of these little characters have their own storylines that are quite deep, but and you don't have to dig around to find it. It's you there. don't have to dig around. It's just there. It's just there. And they it wouldn't have cost that much for them to have done that, to just add some text, add some backstory. Like, it wouldn't have been that much. And I feel like that is what's really was really missing in Final Fantasy XV for me as far as the side quests go. All right, we're going to be on the presentation now. Okay. We are. I felt that the music was awesome. I liked the but music. But at the same time, it I also felt it was quite deficient. And that's a weird weird thing to say. So I there was there's like over 10 battle themes in this game mm-hmm. and each of those themes is really great. Like it gets you really in the mood. Um I absolutely love Apocalypsis, especially Aquarius. Uh, I love Ravis Nocturna. I love Hellfire. They're all great great themes. Hunt or be hunted. Like I, I, I think they're all really great. What I, my issue is that I, they're they're powerful pieces, but they are also kind of forgettable. Mm. Like I love listening to them, but they there's the catch is quite difficult to kind of get onto. You know, like Hunt or Be Hunted. There's certain bits of the the piece that you remember, but then like outside of that, there's like thirty seconds of filler. Yeah, and there's not like a consistent flow of something is happening here that I can remember about this piece. Yeah. And I think outside of the battle music, a lot of the music is kind of just like it happens. Yeah. Like Sunset Waltz is awesome. Um, but like some of the pieces like Lestalem, like you just don't, I don't really, really remember what plays in Lestalem. And like, I know no. there is a town theme for Lestalem. It's like a sort of like guitar. Samba piece. Yeah. Like it's, but like there's, it's there's a lot of different things where I just kind of, I didn't feel as though I really connected with I the soundtrack. Like- yeah, I mean, I feel like the biggest problem with that is because Yogoshi Memora didn't do all of it. And, like, this is kind of my issue with certain games, like like how they've been going with Final Fantasies in general. Because, I mean, it worked with Final Fantasy X because, you know, Nobu Imatsu well, clear- was still quite responsible and, for some of the themes. And with Final Fantasy X, they were clear roles. Yeah. So, um, like, Uematsu did all of the character themes. Yeah. He did all of the battle music. Whereas I think. This, well, not all of it, but he did the majority of the battle music. If you look at the soundtrack, the actual people who did each piece, they are so different. And, I mean, like, it kind of worked with 13 too, 
But there were still some things that were a bit like, okay, well, this is completely different to what I just heard. Like, there's there's a problem with having too many cooks in the kitchen. There's there's a problem with that because they don't have defined don't roles. Have... If that makes sense, like, well, yeah, that's with thirteen true too. too as well. It's like um, you'd have Hamuazu, and he was responsible for all of Lightning stuff. Yeah, and then you have Mitsuda, who was responsible for other bits, and then they had um, Suzuki who is also one of the composers on the 15, who was responsible for other stuff. Yeah, it was it was unorganized, essentially. Because, yeah, I mean, like, there are certain songs that I felt worked better in certain areas than others. I mean, some of the later battle themes, like the ending boss theme, could have been so much more epic. But then ending boss themes are like one that where it's... Well, yeah, it's always it's always the one before that's better. Like, I mean, in Final Fantasy X, it was... Uh, Seymour's theme was much better than the uh, summons Yu Yevin, one. Yeah. Than Yu Yevin's battle theme. That was horrendous. Um, but it was so spread out among the composers. I feel like if it was a case We also that... don't necessarily know what who did what as well. Because yeah. obviously Yoko Shimomura gets a ton of credit. Oh, she which, didn't... Is ter- which is really bad as well. That was really bad of Square Enix to do that. If you don't know... Basically, like, Yoko Shimomura got, like, most of the credit for doing the music on Final Fantasy XV, which is completely untrue. Well, and she did do a, a good chunk. She but did what, a good chunk, but... but... What we, we know who composed other tracks. We don't know who worked on arrangements for other tracks. Um, but, yeah, no, it's like... It, I mean, if you can look it up, there, the credits are, are kind of somewhat out there. But, yeah, we don't know who arranged different pieces of music. And that's one of the things with, um, you know, Final Fantasy X... Like Uematsu did certain composition, but then Hamuazu would arrange those. Nakano arranged things, and they worked with each other on different things. But we know all the credits, yeah. So we know who did what. Yeah. Whereas in this one, um, we just know the composer. Yeah. Which is different. Although I will say, like, I loved all the ones. What What was the name of the guy who was working on MGS? I think that's Suzuki. I kind of really hope that he does more. With so he the did Hunt Be Hunted. Game. He did Hellfire. I love. I love his battle themes. I thought that Hunter Be Hunted was just so good. Like, I just, I know what you're saying about the themes, but I just felt like that was just so just epic. Like, I just loved well, I mean, everything I, about the it. The thing that, I guess to, to make my point is like, most people don't appreciate that there are actually over like 10 battle themes yeah. in the game. Yeah. That you don't realize, you no. don't think about it. No. And if I said to you, can you... I can't can even name- do the. I can't think of the main battle theme. If I'm honest, I can think of Hunt or Be Hunted, and that's about it. Hunt or Be Hunted is the one that I love, though. I think the the main ones are the. But then they've got like you know they've got different battle themes for the when you fight the Niflheim Empire, and then there's yeah. a range version of when you fight the Niflheim Empire, and then you've got the one where you fight a Niflheim boss, and then you've got when you fight this boss, and then that boss, and then. When you're fighting in this situation and you're fighting in that region. It's like so complicated. Whereas like the older Final Fantasies, it was always just, this is the battle theme. This is the sub boss theme. This is the boss theme. Yeah. like So well, you'd, yeah, you'd have, this is the normal battle theme. This is like the boss theme ever. Yeah. And then this is like a specific character boss theme. Yeah. Because you had like challenge in Final Fantasy X, but then you had the normal boss theme as yeah, well. Yeah, Seymour. Yeah. And then Otherworld. But, um, but yeah. Yeah, with Final Fantasy fifteen, it was just so so many different boss themes, and it's just like, all right, that, that's enough. That that's it's cool. It's cool. I would have been I would have been perfectly happy with. But the thing is, though, they're all good. Hunter be hunted. They're all they're all really they good. They all are really good. And, you know, but it's hard to it's hard to pinpoint what it is. Like if um, I remember when we Daryl and I were in Copenhagen, we randomly were walking around, and we, I was just, just trying to think of every battle theme from every Final Fantasy game. Um, and we just went down through a list. I wouldn't be able to do it with this game. 
Because which game, which one do you count? Well, I want to talk about the one where you fight Nifheim Empire at this particular point. That one. Do you remember yeah, that one? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can think of that one. What about like the that. one? The what about the one when you oh, when you're in a dungeon? What about the one when the one when we just sound like Friends titles, um, <laughs> Friends episodes titles. But yeah, like um, it kind of sucked that, and this is a problem with the game in general. It kind of sucked that there were certain there were like maybe <laughs> two or three towns. And, like, they had specific themes, but, like, everywhere else was just the same thing. And it's just like, oh, really? Is that, like, Chocobo theme or um, that gas station theme? Hammerhead. Yeah, Hammerhead theme. And I'm just like, oh, okay, this is cool, I guess. I mean, it was, it was a catchy little theme, but, like, you couldn't remember it as well as, like, say, town themes in, like, the older Final Fantasies. No, and the funny thing is about those is that you actually don't spend that much time in those towns. No. Like, how much time do you actually spend in Cosmo Canyon? Yeah, yeah, no, you don't spend that much time at all. You you learn about Sito. Like, and... how much time do you spend in um, Coral? Yeah. Like, you don't. Like, no. The Black Mage Village. No. Like, but everyone remembers those things. Yeah. Like, I I could go through Final Fantasy Nines and I could... Well, then that's the thing as well, because they're attached to the characters... Well, no, like... Because the- Coral's... Mount Coral's theme is... Barrett. Barrett's no, theme it's a different is- theme. Is it? Yeah, it's a different theme. Uh, well, um, what's it called? Um, <laughs> why can't I think of it? We just talked about it. Red 13's town. Cosmo Canyon. Cosmo Canyon. Why can't I think of that? Um, that's Red 13's... Different. Theme. Is it? Mm-hmm. There's, it's a variation. Um, oh, there's silly It's like variations. everyone always thinks that um, their airship theme is the same as Sid's theme. Mm. But they're, they're different. Mm. They are different. They are different, Daryl. They, they are, are different. different. There is one one thing out of place. Yes. But yeah, no. Um. So getting back to that, sorry. I think that yeah, it, it they could have done more with the towns to make them more have more of a persona with their music. The only one that I really liked was Tenembrae, and I won't I won't sort of say what happens there, but I I did like that theme a lot. That plays when you were walking. I don't even remember that. I don't. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but I did really like it. <laughs> 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 but um but yeah uh sorry what, one of the things i did like though is is that what the the attention they paid so it didn't work as well as near but when you're walking around in towns and stuff the themes will change depending on where you are like if you're mm. in hammerhead if you walk inside you'll get a slightly different uh version of the music yeah and what the style is like if you walk near uh, street players you'll get different variations of the music but one of the things i really loved is how they blend things mm. so like in one of the opening cutscenes where um regis is kind of sending noctus off like the themes change and there's a one later on in Alticia where something bad happens and like they kind of blend the, the the pieces between one another and I thought that worked really well because it's so subtle but they mm. like if you can go back and watch that opening cutscene between Noctis and Regis and listen specifically to the music and you'll hear that when the conversation changes the music changes mm-hmm. but you don't really notice it yeah unless you're actually listening to it yeah and then when you when you kind of notice that you're just like oh yeah no like there is a like a real emotional switch that just gets turned and i, I really like that attention to detail because you don't often get that it's more like a movie thing isn't it yeah. like where like soundtracks will have that kind of change yeah. and yeah. then and then like they're composing based on what's happening with the action my favorite one is uh pan's labyrinth there's one scene where um they play the main theme and it's just like a it, it leads up to something scary and then it just that scary thing doesn't happen so it just goes back to being calm and it's just oh it's lovely i love that theme oh sorry it's okay <laughs> it's okay i know i'm getting all the feels but yeah i mean i think they did a really good job i, I 
like I liked the soundtrack alone, but it it would have been nicer if there was more organization between it. And as you said, if certain composers had certain jobs, like they're responsible for this or that. I think yeah. it would have been a lot more organized. And also, I mean, we, we don't know how much played into it, the, the duration it took to make. Mm. Because obviously things like Somnus... That yeah, was that's been around forever. 10 years ago. Yeah. And, you know, if you're thinking about... Just think about in your own personal lives when... Like how much you develop as a person in 10 years. I know. And how many Kingdom like, Hearts if, games if, she if, did since if, then. Like, I don't know how many of you guys have been in a career for 10 years, but like when you started off that job, you'll be very different now. Even yeah. like three or four years down the line, like you grow as a professional. Yeah. And like Shimamura as an artist, she will have changed so much in those 10 years. And I also wonder if she had already done a lot of themes for Final Fantasy um, versus 13 like I wonder how many how many pieces she had written for Final Fantasy Versus Thirteen before they cut it, because it is a completely different game to what it was before as well, which would probably change quite a bit. It probably would change um, her development quite a bit. Yeah, it's just it just suffered from a bit of disorganization, which is kind of the running theme of the game. But yeah. in okay. terms of uh, graphics, though, I was really disappointed. Um, really, I. I mean, I thought that a lot of it was lovely looking. This sounds really negative, this I, whole podcast. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I don't mean this to be negative. Like, I honestly, I, I like it. I'm just disappointed. But with regards to Final Fantasy XV, and I feel like a lot of it had to do with the time constraints, but I didn't like that there was only, like, three scenes where they utilized the FMVs. Well, I mean, like, I will counter that and say I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. It's an artistic choice. And obviously, Final Fantasy has been known for its really powerful, strong FMVs. And with Final Fantasy 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 XV, the way they chose to implement them, that's what I didn't like. Like, Mm. the forced Kingsglaive scene. Yeah, that was horrendous. The forced Omen trailer. Like, they just were like, oh, let's just push these things in it. Like, like, there was no need for that. Like, there are certain scenes when they do use FMVs that are good. Mm. And games like Metal Gear... They don't do FMVs. They do everything live action and it doesn't diminish anything at all because that's what they chose to do from the off. Like they planned around, this is how we're going to do things. We're going to have live action cutscenes. We're going to use the in-game engine and that's going to be fine. Also, if you want to do big budget CG stuff, then it costs money. Yeah. And you have to like bring in different departments and you got to do all this and you got to do all that stuff. Yeah. And I just feel like they just spent all that budget on Kingsglaive. I know. Like, and I mean, obviously... There are some there are some times where they use these cutscenes. Yeah, it's lovely when they do, but I just felt like it was a bit like, okay, we're in in-game graphics, fantastic, whoop, I'm so excited. I've kind of felt that way for a while though. Like Final Fantasy Thirteen was kind of the same. Yeah, like they had FMVs throughout, but they weren't like, that much. They weren't anywhere like FMVs in the olden days, like twelve and before. They were for standout mm. big things that happened. Yeah. Like, they were mental mega things that you couldn't do with the in-game engine. Yeah. Like, the Final Fantasy IX, the destruction of the planets and stuff. And, mm. like, there's no way they could have done that really with the in-game engine. Well, one thing I do think that they should they should have done, and I hope this isn't a spoiler because it's been in every single trailer, uh, the Leviathan scene. I felt like that should have been, that should have had some CG in there. Like some just some lovely graphics in there. I just felt like, you know, it was okay. Like it that's one of those things. Gorgeous. And like, yeah. And like you think about when it was versus thirteen, and they had that 
epic battle where Noctis is running from building to building and you see Leviathan in the distance and he just didn't have that. It was a bit, it was epic. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, there were some epic things about that scene, but it wasn't as epic as I was And that's where it would be. Like, things in the past, like, I think Final Fantasy IX is a good one because someone's a big part of that story mm. where they used the in-game engine to a point mm-hmm. and then when things got real, they changed to they changed the CG because yeah. that's the that's where they like sh- they show the destructive power of these summons yeah and show really and what like they're the, capable the of the black waltz as well like when um the black waltz is chasing them and that sort of thing but again I guess it's probably just because of time and budget and yeah it's really a shame but oh well all right Lawrence we're gonna have to go on some questions now okay yeah I'm sorry all right so the first one is from Suprio who wants to know. Who is your favorite quest giver? I kind of... You're going to hate me. Don't say Dino. I kind of like Dino. I think he's cute. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think he's cute. Maybe it's the Italian in me that's just like, aw. I don't understand how they thought that voice combination I would know. work. But I still kind of like him. I do. He's like that... Capiche? So like, sassy. Like, come on. Like I know. He's so sassy, but I like I Forget like Forget about it. I like his I like his design. Like without his voice, I think his design is really cute. But that's really the only reason. But I hate his missions. He can do one for his missions. But probably other other than him, I'd probably say Dave was was a cool character. He seemed like he, he had some depth. He starts off as a cool character, but after that, he just kind of gets depressed. Yeah. So, hey guys, <laughs> some dog tags. He's the Eeyore of the group. Yeah. I I'd, I'd probably say Taka. Oh, Taka. He's got a bit of sass to him. He's cute. I know a lot of people like Sanya as well because she's yeah, she doesn't Sanya's really give silly. a crap about who you are. Nah, nah. And I love her glasses as well. Um. All right. So we have a question from H underscore Kasahira who asks, "Who do you think is the most underrepresented character?" Felt like a lot of the cast didn't get the time that they deserved. I feel this is going to be a spoiler topic. Um. I could say that a lot of the people that give side quests are underrepresented. Um, yeah, I, I felt like the the smaller characters. I, I would have I would have liked Ravis to get more time. Yeah, I felt that there's a lot they could have developed, and there's a lot they missed out on. With, yeah, with how they represented him in the game. I feel like Gentiana was one. I just felt like you know the dogs were kind of an afterthought. I just didn't really think that they made much sense. Whereas Gentiana, I felt like she would have made more sense. And I just felt like it was a bit of the Spider-Man treatment where they were just having too many cooks, too many different villains, too many, not that, not saying that she was a villain, but just saying like, there's just too many people around to focus on that. If they could just have like minimized it to just being like Gentiana is your sort of confidant, I think that would have been better. Yeah. All right. Next up, we've got a question from Zachary P. Lyons. He wants to know, what gave you your greatest sense of achievement in the game? Uh, running away from the Candopal boss when I was taking the picture. Good job, Aaron. <laughs> we both did exactly the same thing. Where like because it comes up and gives you the options of what I know, to do. I wanted to I just test press it straight out. away. I just I know I wanted to test out poses. I wanted to see what they look like, so I knew for the final like what I would. And normally they do do that in Final Fantasy games where they'll give you like all right, this is the test around, try it out. But this one they didn't. And I was really sad about that, and I did not for the life of me feel like going back to a previous save. No. Worst picture ever. I know. Uh, I'd say, actually, mine was beating the Behemoth King. Mm. Uh, you were having a tough time with him. Because I didn't want to use any items. I know. You're crazy. Well, you never know what you're going to face next. And you no. never know, like, based on your item stash, 
am I using a good number of items here? Am I going to need more? Because generally with Final Fantasy games, as you know, they ask you to do recurring bosses mm-hmm. as you get towards the end of games. And uh, I just wasn't too sure, you know, so I wanted to conserve. I wanted to try and beat him using no items because then I'm safe going forward. And I knew it was feasible. So it took me like two goes. Yeah. So that was a, a good achievement. That was a good sense of achievement. It's weird how beating like not even the final bosses didn't really give me a sense of achievement but mm-hmm. beating a precursor boss did mm-hmm. but um yeah 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 all right so that's pretty much the end of our our kind of review our meh, our meh, meh. cast hey look there were things i really liked about final fantasy there 15. are like don't get us wrong guys like we're not trying to be like cynical horrible horrible fans it's just that ultimately final fantasy 15 had like so much potential to be like the greatest final fantasy game in my eyes and if you look around anywhere that's pretty much what everyone says about this game exactly miss potential miss potential and it's really sad for me because i feel like it could have been stuff that would have been easily easily resolved with just a bit of organization and just editing because i mean there were just so many things that were just so just mis disorganized i felt like the relation between Kingslave and Final Fantasy Fifteen, I just felt like they're two different they're two different things altogether. Which is why, like you know, I, it it just makes me sad, really, <laughs> and I'm sorry, but it's just you know, at least Advent Children made sense in terms of the Final Fantasy Seven lore. Kingslave and Final Fantasy Fifteen, Kingslave like provided so much sort of well was supposed to provide so much backstory to Final Fantasy Fifteen that just didn't even materialize in the final game. Some of it did, but... Some of it did. There, there was stuff that the got lost in translation. The same characters were in it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Except for Claris, because Claris apparently doesn't exist in any universe, really. Not even in the guidebook. That is how... Yeah, they changed his name. That is how ruined he is. And used and a different picture. picture. Like, he just... How does that even happen? How? How do they not even talk about... Oh, wait, no, this guy is actually not even in right, the I'm game. I'm going to have to put sorry. some kind of muscle know, on you. I know. And I'll like, tie you up. Stop I'm sorry. talking. Stop. I'm stopping. I enjoyed Final Fantasy 15. I liked it. Uh, Lauren did too, even though she doesn't sound like it. <laughs> I do. I'm I'm speaking on your behalf right I now. I do. I'm, I'm saying I do. Uh, all right, so music from this episode is, of course, from Final Fantasy 15. Where else would it be from? Uh, it's an arrangement of Somnus by Beyond the Guitar... An acoustic version. Hmm. Hmm. The next episode of Final Fantasy Union is scheduled to come out next week, actually. 24th of January. Uh, we're doing two in a row, which <gasps> is going to be fun because we're moving house next weekend as well. Yeah, So we're going to try be cool. our best and we're going to talk about some news, other stuff that's going on. There's actually a lot that's going on. There's the 30th anniversary this year. Mm. There's going to be a presser happening the week after we record. So that should be fun. We can do some predictions, maybe. Mm. Maybe. Um, and yeah, of course, if you want to check out the episodes, then go to iTunes, just type in Final Fantasy, but there or thereabouts, uh, you're pretty easy to find. Um, be sure to check out the YouTube channel as well. I think we're up close on 15,000 subscribers yeah, now, which is crazy. not too bad for three months' work. Nope. And of course, you can catch every episode as well as news coverage at FinalFantasyNew.com, which is now provided by Brayden, who is at Sora96 on yes, Twitter. Thank you, Brayden. Thank you. And of course, if you'd like to support the show, please head over to Patreon at patreon.com forward slash FFKHUnion. All right, guys, it's time for us to say goodbye. Goodbye. I'm Daryl saying goodbye. This has been a FinalFantasyUnion.com production.